Welcome back, everybody, to the J&J Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Jaworski, joined by my friend, as always, Justin Carroll. Justin, how are you tonight? Oof, man, we're starting off with the tough questions. I am doing pretty good after that episode of NXT. You know, we had some good stuff, tiny bit of bad stuff, but mainly the good stuff. How are you feeling, Jaworski? Uh, exhausted. Uh... There was a lot to unpack into this two-hour episode of AEW Dynamite on TNT. There was a lot to get through. I, I don't know if you saw, but uh, at the head of the show, they had quite the agenda for this episode of Dynamite. Well, what was on that agenda? Well, shall we get right into it for the April 29th edition of AEW Dynamite on TNT, like I said? Let's go! So, <laughs> sure enough, uh, the opening match was uh, Darby Allen versus Cody for an opportunity at the finals for the TNT Championship. Uh, they really had a sweet package of them uh, before the match began. And right into the match, I mean, oh, hold on, I got lost in my notes. I wrote everything down that they advertised before. Where are we here? I said this was a stacked episode, and there was a lot of uh, lot to get through, to say the least. So uh, early on in the match, Cody gets a knee injury. I believe it was from diving to the outside, I believe, or, or something. He landed awkwardly on the knee. And uh, from that point on, Darby went to town on this match. And uh, even then, uh, there was a moment on the outside. Darby uh, throws Cody to the outside. Uh, later on, Cody throws Darby into the barricade. In turn, he hits Brandy on the way down to the barricade. That is Darby Allen hitting Brandy. Uh, more of a collision wasn't intentional, but Cody no, uh, more or less put her put his wife in danger there. Uh, Got to watch out there. And uh, then she was taken to the back. Eventually, she comes out again in a weird way, but. Uh, Darby throughout the match uh, worked on the knee. And I had to say, this was wrestling. You know, the marks in the crowd always chant, this is wrestling, or something like that. Whoa, and whoa, whoa. Just... I thought we were avoiding wrestling terms, Jaworski. Come on. No, I mean, come on. The that hardcore is, fans. That is a mark chant. The smart fans. That's a mark chant. Smart fans. Mark Okay, whatever you say, Jaworski, you're the host. Okay. Excuse my language, but I said Mark, okay? Yeah, you this said is one of wrestling. Eight words you can't say on TV. This is awesome. You deserve it. That's up there with the Mark wrestling chance, <laughs> considering there were other wrestlers in the crowd. But anyway, uh, textbook Mark wrestling chant again. Uh, this was wrestling. This was for sure a wrestling match. No goofiness, no weird beginning of the matches like last week. And uh, again, another weird spot on the outside. Darby threw Cody to the outside this time. And Britt Baker hit him with the shoe. I mean, I don't know what it is with Britt hit Baker and the, whole, and the whole shoe deal. Yeah, hit Cody with the shoe. Oh, it, oh okay. Cody. Darby oh. threw Cody to the outside and Britt Baker hit him with the shoe. I don't know what it is with the whole shoe deal. With Brandy, I mean, uh, Britt Baker. Uh, but anyway, uh, going on in the match, Brandy comes back out uh, with a bottle of water. I don't know what the whole deal behind this was, but uh, Cody took a sip of the water. Uh, Darby took it from him and hit him in the head with it. Uh, I don't know how 
effective hitting someone with a plastic water bottle in the head is, but <laughs> nonetheless, uh, he got a sip of water, ice question mark. Um, goes along uh, to the top rope. Darby goes for an acai moonsault. Cody catches him and gets him into the crossroads, and he oh. kicks out a two. Surprisingly, uh, that was one of the high-intensity moments of the match, to say the least. Uh, later on, Cody went for a coffin drop of his own. We're getting to the end of the match here. Uh, Darby gets his knees up uh, like a flashback from the second match they had in January. Uh, then Darby goes for a coffin drop of his own. He hits it. One, two, three. But it turns out Cody put him in a backslide, and Cody is now in the finals for the TNT Championship. Ooh. Weird finish, but a great match nonetheless. You know, from everything that you just said, Jaworski, I might need to check out that match. I'm obviously a big fan of Darby Allen. I've loved Cody Rhodes ever since he did the, um, what was it with the mask? He did the disaster, natural disaster? Yeah, he, something along the lines of his face got broken or he came back with an, from an injury and his whole new deal yeah, was how he's. nine, I think, is what he, happened to him. He, he was protecting his mat, his face with the new shield and stuff. And ever since then, he just kind of skyrocketed talent-wise, potential-wise. Uh, uh, Stardust, though. Yeah, well, that wasn't his doing. But anyway, nonetheless, a great wrestling match from Darby Allen and Cody Rhodes. You will be uh, pleased to watch it when you get the chance to, of course. It was great. It, w- it really was. Definitely need to check that out. But we are going to get into the first match of NXT. But before that, have you seen on NXT? I know you don't really watch it all that much. But in the first couple of times that you would watch NXT on USA, would you notice how it would sometimes be like Kathy Kelly when she was still around or Mauro Ranallo where they would talk like to the camera first at the beginning of NXT and then they would pan to the next match or like the first match of the night? Yeah, right. I know what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. So Tom Phillips opens up the show like that. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, it's going to be Tom Phillips and Byron Saxon again. But no, we got Marwa Ranallo and Beth Phoenix on commentary. And I wrote that in all caps. Yes. And then Tom Phillips was also joining on commentary. So Unfortunately. Yes, unfortunately. So we get into El Hijo del Fantasma versus Isaiah Swerve Scott for the Cruiserweight Championship. You know, this is obviously in the tournament. El Hijo is 1-0, and Isaiah Swerve Scott is 0-1. So we had a pretty good match, you know. There was some flashy stuff. Oh, and before I get into the match... El Hijo came out with, like, a purple cape on, and he wore a lot of purple gear, and it reminded, uh, excuse me, it reminded me a lot of the revolting blob from Billy Madison. Do you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> I don't, but I, I oh, can't quite remember God. from Billy Madison. Billy Madison, so Principal Anderson used to be a former wrestler. Adam Sandler loves getting some wrestling references into any of his movies, like in uh, Waterboy, the big show's in it. But we, um, <laughs> in the revolting blob, this guy who's competing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. In, in the movie, he was, like, one of the bad guys. I think it was, like... Yeah, uh, he was getting blackmailed by that dude. 
Yeah, because he, he killed somebody in the ring, right? Yeah, he killed... He said, it was just a stunt! <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but that's what he looked like. If anyone doesn't know, just look it up. So we had some pretty good flashy stuff, you know. Obviously, El Hio Del, El Hio Del Fantasma is quite the talent. I also like Isaiah Swerve Scott. There's nothing too special about him, but I do enjoy his stuff. So... I don't know exactly how the match laid out, but they both end up, you know, outside of the ring. And so El Hio hits um, Enziguri onto Isaiah Swerve Scott. And so he decides when El Hio hits it, he's just going to flip onto his back on the outside. Like, no momentum with uh, Phantasma. He just straight up just Enziguri's him and just flips onto his back onto the floor. I thought that was a little dumb. But then, you know, nothing too special here. I, um, Isaiah Swerve Scott wins against El Hio, which makes Swerve 1-1 one and, one, and Phantasma 1-1 one one with the Crucifix. And, you know, nothing, I, once again, nothing too special about this match. It was all right. I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it. Well, I wasn't really planning on it. I'm not, I haven't seen a ton from Phantasma, obviously, only his second week wrestling and I feel like Isaiah Swerve Scott hasn't, you know, gotten the right uh opportunity to say the least since yeah. joining NXT. I don't know if, if you feel that way too. I mean he did have a shot at the North American Championship with Roderick Strong. That's when we went to AEW, the second taping of AEW matter of fact. But nothing too special. He's done some stuff on 205 Live, like right as he got signed with Day Day Lee. Yawn. Yeah, so not too, too much, but he definitely has been on. Well, he, he's gotten his, his chances, but I'm, I'm sure that uh, in some capacity, uh, an opportunity should be coming his way sometime soon, I hope. Uh, potential through the roof, talent again through the roof. Maybe... Maybe a little uh, over the top sometimes, like you said, with the flip on the back today. But uh, what yeah. else do we have in store after that on NXT? So, oh, actually, I just wanted to say my TV glitched, so I didn't get to see the finish live. But uh, thank God they played the replay, so I got to see it then. But then they announced that Adam Cole will be on, and then Candice LeRae will be in action. So then they cut to commercial, we come back, and Dominic Dijakovic is talking about Gargano and how he doesn't respect anybody and will challenge him next week. Um, I'm going to say a little bit of a spoiler alert, but, well, not really, but for next week, it is going to be stacked. They did so much stuff planned for next week, and I think next week you're going to have to watch it, but... I think it's going to be a great episode of NXT next week. And I hope, I hope it impresses you, Jaworski. I, I don't get my hopes up too much with wrestling, period, because I know, you know, it, it, we can get to the highs of wrestling, but when they get low, they get really low. So I'm not going to get my true. hopes up too much. Uh, among other things... With AEW tonight, we have a Lance Archer versus Dustin Rhodes for the second spot in the finals of the TNT Championship. Uh, MJF will make an appearance. Wardlow will be in action 
Uh, another segment of the Bubbly Bunch. Uh, Sean Spears was in action. Marco Stunt and Brody Lee were in action as well. We had a John Moxley appearance and what was next for him. So safe to say there was a lot going on and it was uh, tiring to say the least. Uh, along with that, we had the uh, Scorpio Sky uh, package or documentary or update or whatever you might want to call it. You know, he's talking about how he was starting to find himself. And uh, luckily, Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels needed a third guy and how he just didn't want to be the, the, the quote unquote third guy. And he wanted to make an impact. And uh, he was talking about how they were champions and how they were a dominant tag team and how he's learned so much from them. And he was in the main event and he felt comfortable and, you know, he didn't want to be good. He didn't want to be great. He wanted to be an effing legend. He actually dropped the F bomb. Uh, of course Whoa. they blurted out. Of course they blurted out one of the seven words you can't say on TV. Um, but it was a serious package. I thought it was going to be kind of goofy with all like the, uh, uh, you know, SCU stuff. SCU stuff, but uh, surprisingly, it was not. Uh, they did talk about the uh, worst town uh, deal, but which is it? It did get uh, pretty popular to say the least. So, a nice, a nice serious package to say the least uh, for Scorpio Sky. Uh, then we had the MJF update, uh, the long-awaited update. Uh, he was from his home. He was not on television uh, or in the ring. Rather, uh, he saw his nail doctor, and his nail doctor said he had never seen a better recovery from a hangnail. And he now he has the most cover. He has the most powerful nail he's ever seen. Oh, the only problem is God. when he was the only, I know, thank God is right. The only problem is when he was getting ready to come back to the ring and for television, he nicked his neck shaving and now has a neck brace. And we must wait another week for him to return to AEW television Are uh, you in ring kidding me? live. I know travesty. True oh travesty. God. This is the worst history in the moment of our sport. <laughs> it really is. No MJF equals no ratings. No, but uh, it's safe to say his uh, his little fake injury deal has been uh, quite the run, to say the least, the past uh, couple weeks on Twitter. And then last week again, uh, revealing the hangnail incident, uh, of course. So uh, him keeping up the great work as usual. Uh, then we had Musa versus Wardlow. I just want to say Wardlow is a beast for like a short, not a shorter guy, but just like kind of he he's stacked. He's just got muscle on muscle on muscle. I mean, you see, you saw him last week in action. I got to saw him. I get to see him this week, and he's just a beast. And he smoked this guy Musa. I've never even heard of Musa, but. Yes, Wardlow is a pretty, pretty thick man. He almost looks like Braun Strowman, but like smaller and less hairier, I should say, because he's got that big beard and the and the big ponytail thing going on. He but, doesn't yeah. wrestle with a shirt on. Yeah, it doesn't wrestle with the shirt on. He wrestles in a singlet though, which is a little, little off-putting. But I definitely have high hopes in Wardlow. Absolutely. So we move on uh, to. Oh man, this was uh, this was something. We had Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc with uh, Penelope Ford versus the best friends with oh. the Orange Man, Orange Cassidy. No DQ. I wrote, oh boy, before it even started. Oh no, oh no. <laughs> Do you want to get into uh, what happened on NXT before I get into this? Before you this get was? into that travesty, 
of that match. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so after Phantasma's match, the Spanish goons came back and tried to take him away. But thankfully, Phantasma escaped them. Again, second week in a row. Second week in a row, yeah. So then Candice LeRae comes out and she has this new theme song. It's sort of a banger, not really. But then the little graphic says Candice LeRae with Johnny Gargano. But when she was walking down the entrance ramp, Johnny wasn't there. So I got a little confused. And then Johnny just comes out of nowhere, like close to the ring. And then he's just introducing his wife. And, you know, he's, of course, saying all these sweet things about her and whatnot. Then she is going against Casey Catanzaro, who I think was the first female to win the American Ninja Warrior thing, if I'm if I'm right about that. If, right? if she didn't win it, she was, like, very popular on it. You might be right, though. I'm not 100% sure either. But nothing too special with this match. Once again, Candice LeRae ends up pinning Casey Catanzaro with the Wicked Sister, which is one of her new finishing moves. She... It's sort of like she puts her leg in between the girl's leg and her and the girl who's about to take the move is laying on her stomach. She ties her legs up with one leg, grabs her arms and then steps right onto her head. So that's a new finishing move for Candice LeRae. And then when she's about to walk back into the, uh, you know, when she's walking back, she decides to run back into the ring. And put on her husband's finishing move. I forget the name of it, but the submission hold that Johnny Gargano does. And Isn't so, it like the the rebel, the strong? I don't even. I'm not even going to take a guess of what the name is. Yeah, it, it's probably some corny, you know, name relating to Johnny Gargano. But you know, nothing too special with this. It's just showing that Candice LeRae is like the bad girl now. Nothing too special. And then Damien gets to finish what he started a long time ago. They did a little video package for him. Well, not a video package. More of like he was addressing Keith Lee before the main event. So do you want to get back to AEW? Not really. This is where it uh, oh. definitely definitely took a nosedive, to say the <laughs> least. Uh, like I said, uh, Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc with Penelope Ford versus the best friends with the orange man, as they were referring to on commentary. By the way, Chris Jericho, another fantastic week. Uh, but I think it's coming to an end next week as he'll be in action. Uh, more on that later. But uh, best friends and the orange man are with the orange man, Orange Cassidy. And this was, uh... oh man, this is <laughs> just something. And But before that, they had the bubbly bunch. Uh, they were talking about how Chris Jericho thought it was a sham that uh, Kip, uh, Kip Sabian, uh, Sammy Guevara won the Flim Flam Challenge. Chris Jericho thought he won it. Uh, Sammy said for all of them to suck his uh, hand sanitizer that he oh. won. Uh, he was about to refer to uh, another thing, I think, but uh, referred to the hand sanitizer, of course, and... Uh, Chris Jericho saw that there was a lot of tension throughout the inner circle, and he said the only way to settle it was through a Manitoba melee. What is that? So uh, it, it, everyone agreed upon it, and uh, basically it was a series of everyone getting a punch through the phone screen. Are you kidding me? Uh no, I'm not, I'm not joking. We had uh, everyone from the inner circle involved. 
that from uh, Lou Ferrigno was in it with a taser. <laughs> we had Corey Taylor from Slipknot throw a punch. Oh, that's a little NXT shot right there. Slipknot. Yeah, uh, but I assume that has something to do with Chris Jericho being in the rock and roll scene. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, we had everybody from him. Uh, the guy on the jet ski from Tiger King. Oh, the uh, the Chucky looking dude. Yep, we had yeah. him. Vicky Guerrero was in it. Oh, okay. Virgil was in it. Oh my God! Anything for that paycheck, huh? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> uh, we also had. Oh man, I wish I got his name before. Kevin Smith, I think. Kevin Smith. That's the. Ah, oh, geez, Kevin Smith. Oh, that's... oh, the director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kevin Silent Smith. Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. yes, Silent Bob. Jay and Silent funny. Bob. So he was in it. I think he's, like, close with Jericho now, I think. So that's kind of weird. He uh, was among... in the uh, new movie. Jericho yes. was in the new movie they did. Yeah. And there were a ton of other uh, big names that I'm sure I missed. But those were a few, to say the least. Uh, it was funny. I don't think that they're meant to be serious. I know NXT has a, has a, a theme of getting a little goofy. This was definitely a little goofy. Um, just, it's AEW for, it's unfortunate, but I mean, Chris Jericho, he doesn't really care at this point. I think when he can turn it on, he can turn it on, but when he wants to be funny, he can be funny, but I mean, there wasn't really anything out of the ordinary. I mean, other than of course, getting punched through a phone screen, which is pretty unrealistic to say the least. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Yeah. Your voice. (laughs) The air is a little, uh damp in here so that's probably why so Open we had the we had the manitoba melee and it was a melee to see the least we got right into the sabian havoc best friends match and uh there were no rule there were no rules in the match but they still made a tag that was jimmy havoc and kip sabian and i just had to note that jericho had to save this one and he did everything he could to just do that and that was to save it and uh, there were chairs flying uh, kick up, kick out or two breakups with the, you know they how they do the one two and then someone else breaks it up. There were chairs, like I said, going everywhere, ladders. I mean, no staple gun, thank God. But oh. uh, it, it was it was a car wreck. It was definitely a car wreck. So with that being said, you did not like this match at all. No, I don't like Jimmy Havoc. I don't Ooh, like him at I all. Me either. He, he he does wrestle with a shirt on now, so that's good. Saves I'm not us surprised some... to probably hide his dad bod. Saves our eyes, that's for sure. And yeah. uh, there were a couple of nasty bumps taken by Trent. I mean, he was on the top rope. He landed on the top part of his back on a ladder, which was jammed in the second and third rope. Uh, it was nasty. A lot of pile drivers. Uh, what else was there? Uh, he got thrown to the outside from the top rope. It was a car wreck, but the best friends... Get the win, and uh, thank God this was yucky. That was for sure. (laughs) So you mentioned previously about stuff being a little goofy on NXT. We had a little goofy thing go on tonight. So Matthew Riddell and Timothy Thatcher come out. And so Matt Riddle saying how he knows Timothy Thatcher like the back of his hand if he knew it for two weeks, since that's the first time they got to wrestle together. (laughs) <laughs> and so, Matt Riddle decides to have his own game show called The Newly Bro Show. <laughs> and the, the host 
is Byron Saxton. Oh, God. So I thought, of course, this is already unfunny, right? But then, you know, this ends up being like the, you ever seen the couples that are like, you know, we're going to ask you a question about your partner, and then you write it on a whiteboard and see what they say, you know, that type deal? Yes, I do. It's a newlywed game. Yeah, yeah, the newlywed game. Yeah, I couldn't think of it. So You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. So, okay. They ask Timothy Thatcher what Matt Riddle had for breakfast. And so Timothy Thatcher, you know, with his, like, three teeth, he goes, I don't know. And so Matt Riddle shockingly writes down, I don't know. And so Riddle was like, I don't even remember what I have for breakfast, bro. And of course, with Matt Riddle's charisma, he makes this so much better. And also the seriousness of Timothy Thatcher really adds to this. So, okay, this is a little weird. Well, before we get to that. They, uh, Byron Saxton asked if Timothy Thatcher, like, what's his favorite show? Or he asked Max Riddle, what's his favorite show? And then Thatcher says he doesn't have a TV. So then Byron Saxton asked, how does he Netflix and chill? <laughs> and Timothy Thatcher responds with, I don't need Netflix to chill. And I, I immediately died laughing. I don't know how Riddle did me. Didn't even, like, giggle at it, really. He just did that, like, that stoner smile of his. But, man, this was pretty funny. Then we got Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel to attack Timothy Thatcher and Matt Riddle. And so Fabian Eichner went to pick up Matt Riddle, and he threw him into the crowd, like, over the barricade, you could say. And then they played that, you know, the same sound that Elias, when he got thrown off, like, the balcony... They made that, like, sound thing that's, like, unrealistic. You know what sound I'm talking about? So they did that, and I was like, oh, man, they got to get rid of that sound. Like, it doesn't even sound like you would ever land on concrete. Like, you would never even make that sound. If anyone knows, if you hit concrete, it makes just, like, a normal slap sound, but, like, quieter. It's not like like a type thing, you know? But then Fabian Eckner and Marcel throw... Timothy Thatcher into the ring. And so Fabian Eichner picks him up like a power bomb. Marcel is standing on the second rope, uppercuts Timothy Thatcher while Fabian is holding him and then power bombs him. They hold up the tag team championships, throw it onto Timothy Thatcher. You know, pretty cool. I really do enjoy Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner. I enjoy Imperium overall. But then Adam Cole comes on and he says, that Regal has decided next week, Velveteen Dream, oh no, will be in action against Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. And he says how he's still undeserving of a shot, but then he's going to be undisputed. And, you know, does the UE thing with his hands. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then we get into Mia Yim and Charlotte Flair. Nothing, uh, once again, nothing special here. Pretty good match, though, not gonna lie. You know, I'm not too big on Mia Yim, but Charlotte did do the best she could to make Mia Yim look good. Whenever Mia Yim would get some steam, Charlotte just counters everything she did. And then Charlotte really does have her dad's genes. Like, it is so weird how good Charlotte Flair is. And so Mia almost did her finisher, the protect your neck. 
But then Charlotte got her into the figure eight, tapped her out. Still a pretty good match. And then after, Io Shirai actually comes out. She's screaming in Japanese. And the only English thing she said was, next week, you are mine. And then that was the end (laughs) of the first hour. Oh, man. I mean, I know you and I both know, and I hope the people will know now, that uh, we are not the biggest fans of Mia Yim. Um, I don't know what the HBIC means yet, but... I, think I told you. Oh, well, maybe we don't need to repeat it. No, no, but no. But this lady stinks. I mean, I mean, this. She's so boring. Yeah, it's very... She tries, for me, she tries too hard to be relevant. So, you know, the whole gangster thing. like It's sort of like a knockoff of the Usos of what they do. Not to discredit the Usos saying that's not who they are. I just the don't Us- feel- Yeah, but the Usos, like, they're, like, entertaining. Yeah, I just don't feel Mia Yim being that, like, you know, the badass that she is. Yeah, it's like, if you're going to play the, you know, if you're going to play the part, you got to play the part. To say yeah, exactly. Or if, you, if you're going to act that way, you got to make it believable. Somehow. Yeah. But she's, like, she's like kind of, like, all cute and cuddly kind of deal. She's not, like, a real, like, badass kind of girl. Like, she's not, she's just not it. Yeah, so her boyfriend is Keith Lee, right? This man, I I seriously questioned my dad about this. I've seen Keith Lee wear some Pokemon hat with these, like, super pointy ears. And I had to ask my dad, does he wear that thing in public? Mia Yim is supposed to be this badass. And then she's dating this dude who's, like, you know, into Pokemon, which seems like a, you know, like, I don't want to be rude about it, but, like, a kiddish type thing, like I know some nerd. Are into that. Yeah, nerd. Well, I didn't want to be mean, but yeah, nerd, nerd. nerd. Yeah. I don't okay. know. She's <laughs> she's just I don't know. She's she's, she's fru- fru- frustrating, frustrating yes. to yeah. say the least. <laughs> and then uh, back on AEW, I mean, I I don't know. She's just we had to recover from, of course, this uh, no DQ tag team match. Uh, we went right into it with a Dr. Britt Baker DMD. Uh, she was back in her office, and she was uh, telling people again how to be a role model after last week. It was so successful, she decided to do it once again. Uh, she was uh, making fun of her makeup lady, Rebel, even though she kept calling her Rena, I believe. Uh, classic bad girl tactic. Uh, Rena or Rebel was her makeup artist. Uh, she kept calling her the wrong name, like I said. And uh, during her presentation, to say the least, she kept making fun of poor Tony Schiavone about how to not have a snaggle tooth and not to be a wannabe and to make sure to not look fat. So <laughs> Tony Schiavone was the butt of the joke, to say the least. And uh, Britt Baker, DMD, continues her ways uh, of being... Ultimately, the number one woman in the AEW women's division, I think. She's been on a roll. She's got a lot of TV time. Uh, You've seen nothing but her. And she's just always found a way to get her name in the conversation for any way in the show, really. I think Britt Baker becoming this bad girl, she, this has definitely improved her work overall. You know, her matches are a lot better. The segments that she do are pretty good. They, in NXT, they always, well, since that Candace is now a bad girl, 
they are saying that they want to be like the power couple of NXT, you know, like be the first couple to hold the NXT Women's Championship and the NXT Championship in general. But in reality, if Cole or Britt were to ever switch brands, I would totally want to see them as like the power couple. I think them two together on the same show would be like phenomenal. Oh, yeah, no doubt. They'd have great chemistry already, and they're already great in ring, uh, to say the least. So, uh, yeah, like you said, they'd be great. I mean, I, I would be very uh, inclined to see that. Obviously, it uh, doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon, though. No, no way. <laughs> Who would go where? That would be my other question. I would have to say Britt makes the move. Really? Yeah, I don't see Cole leaving NXT. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah, well, at least right now, uh, you know, hopefully nothing will change in the coming weeks. But uh, Knock on wood. We will just have to wait and see. Uh, after that, we had uh, Baron Black versus Sean Spears, who has one of the best entrance themes in the biz, I would have to say. I think uh, even when we were at the show, I'm like, damn, this is kind of a banger. I don't really remember Sean Spears' theme song. That's when this was, you know, during the whole uh, chairman deal uh, when that was at its peak. Uh, but I, even I, I think you were like, you were like, yeah, this is this is something at the show. But obviously, it was a little while ago, back all the way back in uh, October. Yeah, October, kid. Uh, back then, and uh, when things he, were normal. He gives him the uh, C four, I believe it is, and then taps him out with. The sharpshooter, oh. which is uh, something to look for, and maybe we'll have a uh, legitimize the sharpshooter once again in wrestling. So we'll have to uh, wait and see on that. I'd like to see, you know, the whole Canada boy getting the uh, sharpshooter back into the uh, mainstream wrestling frame. So we'll have to wait and see on that. After then, we had uh, Marco Stunt versus Brody Lee. I wrote "Oh boy" on here because <laughs> last time we had Marco Stunt in action, he actually got offense in on Lance Archer and for someone that they want to build as this murder hawk or mayhem murder hawk guy or whatever they call him uh, how weak is it to let a four foot and 11 guy kick you and punch you and knock you down I don't really know but uh, well, nonetheless okay, wait a second to Lance's defense or I should say Marcos he didn't you know kick him to the floor or anything not that I remember he didn't but I mean I don't know. You you get what I'm saying. It's yeah, just I that totally kind of like what you're saying. I don't approve of Marco Stunt at all. Letting letting him lay it in, to say the least. But, yeah. Uh, anyway, Brody took no offense from him, and he just he smoked him again. I mean, poor Marco. Thanks for coming, buddy. But smell you <laughs> later. One, two, three. Brody Lee's just been uh, on a tear, to say the least. So, anyway, we move into a uh, John Moxley segment. He's somewhere in the fields, I guess. A lot of uh, graffiti. And he's talking about how, uh, you know, six months ago or six weeks ago, I think it was eight weeks ago, actually, he said, uh, excuse me for saying six months, uh, eight weeks ago, he won the AEW uh, World Championship. Now he's in a bunch of screaming fans and he was bleeding and he was swearing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, he's talking about how he's going to pack up the truck, pack up the dogs, pack a few cold ones and uh, put a few Metallica CDs in the trunk truck that is and uh go down east go over east and be on the live edition of AEW dynamite next week 
And uh, he was talking about washing your hands, staying safe. And his last line before the uh, segment ended, he screamed, don't forget to call your grandmother. Your grandmother? Yes. For what? To check on her during the pandemic. Well, yeah, I guess so. What? That's someone needed, though. Who needs to say that? Well, he did, and uh, I thought that was a little playing into the goofy side of AEW. Uh, this show was, uh, it had a lot to offer. It wasn't great. Uh, other people will be more upset than I am. I don't get really butthurt over it, but I will, I'm not fast. I will not uh, hesitate to acknowledge when it's gone off the rails, so... A little bit of this was off the rails, uh, but in somewhat serious uh, fashion, uh, John Moxley tells us all to stay safe and uh, essentially check on our loved ones, but calling our grandmother was kind of silly, to say the least. But uh, before we get back into what we have next week and uh, the main event of AEW, I feel like we uh, were missing out on some of what happened on NXT. So... After the first hour, we're getting into the second hour now. We had a little video package for Killer Cross, and I finally remembered his girlfriend's name, Scarlett. I'm probably going to botch this last name. Bordox? Bordox? I don't care, really. Bordreau, I think. Oh, Bordreau. Okay, Bordreau. And they will be in action next week. I'm not too sure. Uh, um, You know, either or, if they're both going to be on or not but they both said that they would be on next week which is pretty hype not gonna lie so then and they cut to commercial we come back and then it's casey catanzaro in the back with you know a medical doctor and kaden carter i think her name is you know they're like best friends they try to get as much like they really want to like get out there that they're friends for some reason I've seen on, like, social media, they did an Instagram Live not too, like, long ago, where, like, they both did it, and I was just like, man, they're, like, shoving it down our throats now. Like, they're not even on TV that much, and they're already trying to, you know, tell us that they're friends. Like, I don't really care who you're friends with, but she consults her, and then Casey says that Candace really got to her neck, and then, miraculously... Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano come walking down their way. And then Candice says that this is the new NXT. And so she sort of insinuates that they need to get used to it. That, you know, they should expect a lot from Candice. We move on. And I think it was either Mauro or Tom that states that Balor will, Finn Balor, that being, will address whoever jumped him next week. So, you know, there's already some good stuff coming next week in competition with AEW, of course. And so, we get into Dexter Loomis against Shane Thorne. And Dexter Loomis is growing on me a little bit, not going to lie. You know, he sticks out to me. Thankfully, he's being sanitary, wrestling with gloves on. I think that's pretty cool. That's obviously just a thing he's doing. But, you know, with the creepy mustache that he has and... The way he stares into the camera and stares at his opponents, it's different from everything else. But Shane Thorne did probably one of the most crisp kicks to Dexter Loomis's back. It was like, it sounded fantastic. It, that's super weird to say, but it was pretty crisp, not going to lie. And so this match was all right. 
Dexter Loomis ends up putting Shane Thorne to sleep with the sit-down Uranagi and what they're calling the arm triangle, the Kata Katami, which is a little weird to say, but this match was pretty good. We, I think the next match after this was probably the best match of the night, but this was definitely up there with one of the better matches. Dexter Loomis finally getting on to the scene. Uh, his surprise appearance last week. Uh, I don't think he was ever really teased uh, for making an appearance at all on NXT so far. Well, um, during the match with Timothy Thatcher, Matt Riddle, and Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish, they had this segment. Well, yeah, you can call it a segment. Oh, right. He was sitting where- ringside, correct? Yeah, he was, like, standing in the back, sort of, watching from afar. And then Roddy pointed them out. And then they just got back to the match. And then they did the same thing when Velveteen Dream got jumped with, um, what's his face? Um, Undisputed Era. And then he was just, like, sitting in the, like, closer to the entrance. But, um, yeah. I don't know really what else to say about Dexter. <laughs> Dexter Loomis, uh, Sam Shaw was great over on Impact Wrestling. Uh, he was on Impact? Oh, yeah, he was. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I Man, I really should start watching Impact. Well, you like should have. Old, old Impact, not now Impact. You definitely should have. But, uh, yes, uh, former alias as Sam Shaw. Uh, he had a, I had a knack for him. I, I kept my eye on him. But I, and then I stopped really watching uh, Impact when NXT came on the scene. And that, you know, kind of the show kind of tapered off uh, in its entirety there, but uh, it's coming back around, I guess you could say. But anyway, uh, yeah. not as much talent as back in the day, of course. But because uh, back in the day, Impact was, you know, the number two to WWE, uh, essentially, because NXT what? was. What? Wait, wait, wait. What year are you talking about? Like 2011, 2012. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, like, like during. Not like... now. Not now. Yeah, I was about no, to say now. No, like, no, no way. You missed when I said back in the day. Okay, I didn't know how far you were talking, though. Caught me off guard a little bit. No, no, no. Like, 2011, 2012, 2013, it was easy that Impact was the definite number two. And they had a lot of talent, I will say to you, every now and then that they did. And uh, Sam Shaw was one of them. He was pretty young, you know, just making his first appearances on TV. And now Dexter Loomis, this, you know, mysterious character is... uh. Quite the uh, eye candy, to, to say the least, with the gear and the gloves and the tattoo. So he will definitely be someone to watch. Uh, very creepy, but very intriguing nonetheless. So uh, for the main event, uh, before I get into the main event. Ooh, we damn, had you're on the main event already? Oh, oh yeah. For uh, next week, we had uh, MJF coming back. Let's go. John, John Moxley will be in action versus Frankie Kazarian. We also have Lay Sex Gods and Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara in action versus <laughs> Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy in a street fight. Um, oh, God, uh, that be... Pumpkinhead Kenny Omega, nonetheless. <laughs> Why are they calling him that? I guess he wore a pumpkin head in one of the matches around Halloween. Oh, jeez. Oh, I, I didn't Chris, know about that. Chris Jericho to this day on commentary still calls him Pumpkinhead. So anyway, we get into the main event here, and Lance Archer is just a monster. He's just gigantic. The hair, the tattoos, the physique. I mean, everything about him is just holy smokes. Uh, 
you know, Dustin Rhodes, to his credit, he holds his own. He, he only gives a few inches up to Archer in this case, but uh, he has nowhere the near power that Archer does uh, to at this age, of course. But uh, Archer beats him up pretty bad. He gets pretty bloody. Dustin does get some offense in, though, does the shattered dreams, but uh, Archer gets right back on him. And uh, the most impressive part of this match was Lance Archer kind of going for an old school kind of thing, but he go- turns it into a moonsault. And for a guy of his stature, a moonsault, I mean, I'm not wait, sure wait, if you wait, caught Lance this. Archer? Yes, moonsault. Oh, whoa. Off of the uh, ropes, not the top rope. Not uh, Well, it was the top rope, but not in the uh, the corner, just in kind of like, kind of just offsetting the corner in the middle of the ring. It was uh, pretty impressive. Uh, nonetheless, obviously a fantastic show of athleticism. And for a guy that size, I didn't know he had it in him, but he did. And it was uh, sure as hell impressive. We get to the end of the match, and uh, we had QT Marshall come out with the towel, who looked like he was about to throw it in. Cody comes running out, saves QT from throwing it in. Uh, he's talking to... Uh, Dustin on the apron, uh, Cody that is, he looked like he was, you know, very weary to throw the towel in, ends up not throwing the towel in. Lance Archer then pulls Dustin back into the ring, palms his face, and repeatedly bashes his head off the canvas of the mat. Uh, It had to be five or six times. It was pretty gruesome. It was in Murderhawk fashion. One, two, three. Lance Archer is heading to the finals against Cody at double or nothing for the TNT championship. It was gruesome and uh, no better way for the murder Hawk to win the match. I think. Okay. I do have some questions about AEW, but since you got straight to the main event, it didn't seem like there was a lot on AEW this week other than, you know, quite a long, well, quite a few of, you know, pretty long matches. I'm going to ask them a little bit in between what I'm going to say about NXT. But so we get a little video of Keith Lee and he cannot talk since he got hit in the throat last week by Damian Priest. And so he says that he will be giving him. Well, he said something about infamy and then he says he'll give him uh, a beating that will live in infamy. Which, you know, it's the corny NXT, WWE type, you know, type scripted promo. I don't want to say promo, but like what you're supposed to say, I guess. But then we get a little um, sneak peek of Drake Maverick who was preparing to save his career in this tournament. So then we come back from commercial. Drake Maverick is so, so Good. I remember my dad, you, and I were talking about, you know, Rockstar Spud slash Drake Maverick. And I remember you guys talking about how he's so good. And I never really seen much of him. But this match totally proves to me that Rockstar Spud slash Drake Maverick is quite the talent. He is so good at conveying emotion to, you know, to the crowd. Well, not really the crowd, but, you know, for right now. But the camera. He is phenomenal. And, you know, he's got some pretty good stuff in there. You know, I wish he was a little bit taller. You know, he's like my height, I'm pretty sure. I've been around him 
you know. He's only probably like an inch taller than I am. But, man, he really proved me wrong during this match with Tony Nese. And so, he's the ultimate underdog. I cannot get into more detail about Drake Maverick. I think he's super good. Totally grew on me. And Drake Maverick shockingly picks up the win against Tony Nese with a bulldog off the top rope, which leaves Drake at 1-1 one and one and Tony Nese at 0-2. For someone who talks a big game about winning this NXT tournament, well, NXT Cruiserweight tournament, he's been losing a whole bunch. But nothing else really after this. Video package of Damien and Keith Lee saying how he pinned Keith Lee on his first main event on NXT, and also how he didn't get pinned in the triple threat match he had with Dominic Dijakovic and Keith Lee. And so before we get into the main event, I do have one question about AEW, because I did get to watch a tiny, tiny bit of the main event. Go right ahead. Brandy Rhodes came back out after, you know, being hurt during the first match that she was you know, being a manager with Cody. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. That was kind of... Uh, did, did she Did she really need to go out? Probably not, no. It. I don't get... Okay, if Cody saw his wife get hurt during his match, don't you think that he would try to prevent her from coming out for the main event because she already got hurt during the beginning like of the show? Wouldn't that just make sense? I'm surprised he just didn't have his tag team partner, duh, just come out with him instead of Brandy. I guess she's yeah. the manager, but like, even if you just had Marshall go out, who, by the way, oh my God, thank God he got that hair thing. I mean, oh my, I don't know if you've seen it or not. No, what happened? He got hair, like hair, like plugs. Oh my God, really? Yes, and it, it, thank God he did them because this guy is seriously balding. <laughs> He tries to be like one of the Fratellis from the Goonies where he's got the hairpiece going. He's like, it's not a tire something like that. <laughs> I, I haven't seen him like that. You're going to have to send me a picture of it. But we're going to get into the main event of NXT, Damian Priest versus Keith Lee for the North American Championship. I sort of didn't really care about this match. I can't get behind Damian Priest at all. To me, there's nothing special about him. I hate repeating you know, some of the stuff I say, like, but I just can't get behind Damian Priest at all. There's nothing special about him. And Keith Lee, obviously, I enjoy Keith Lee. He knows who I am, which is pretty cool. I met him at, a, uh, well, my dad's friends with Keith Lee. And uh, I remember before he got signed with WWE and everyone knew he was leaving, I got a picture with him at Beyond Wrestling, an independent company around the New England area. And so I got a picture with him. He was super chill with me. And then I went to WrestleMania Access. And so I waited in line for Bobby and Kyle because they know who I am. And I wanted to say hi to them. And uh, Marina Shafir was also out there. Sweetheart, by the way. And so, of course, right as I'm about to see them, right, they alternate the guests. Well, whoever's signing, right? So. Oh, man. <laughs> but... It, it was actually pretty stacked, not going to lie. So, you know, after Bobby and Kyle were done and Marina were done, then, like, 
you know, Trent Seven and Tyler Bate came out. Tainara Kantu, who's no longer with the company, came out. And Keith Lee came out. And I was like, oh, so I'm going to meet Keith Lee again and then meet uh, Trent Seven, Tyler Bate, and Tainara, which was pretty hype to me. So I got their autograph somewhere. And then I went up to Keith Lee and I was like, hey, Keith. And he was like, I remember who you are. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. And he was like, yeah, George's kid. And I was like, oh, sweet. Okay. I got my picture with him. Like, I have a name, guy. Yeah, I know. But, like, I don't think he really remembered my name. Like, not that I care. You know, he's got better things to do and know. But it was pretty cool that he recognized me. But, okay, back to the main event. Got a little sidetracked. Then you met him again, right? No, I didn't. Oh, well, yeah, I sort of did. Um, At Evolve, he came to uh, Melrose, Massachusetts. And it was him, Tommaso Ciampa, who I got to meet. Yeah, twice. And then Rhea Ripley. And Tommaso Ciampa was super cool to me. I said hi to Keith Lee, but nothing too special there. So back to the main event. Keith Lee throws Damian Priest over the guardrail. And then he destroys the guardrail. He picks up Damian Priest over his head in the crowd. And from where he was standing, threw Damian Priest to, like... On the apron of the ring, and I literally, sorry, Dad, you're probably going to kill me if I say this out loud, but I said, holy S-H-I-T. He (laughs) threw that man. And, you know, it felt like the average Keith Lee match, you know, two big guys doing agile stuff. And Keith Lee hit a corkscrew on Damian Priest, which is pretty impressive for his size. It seems like both shows had a big guy doing some pretty cool stuff, like Lance Archer doing a backflip, you said. And then Keith Lee, uh, oh no, wait, excuse me. Damian Priest jumped over the ring post and dived onto Keith Lee. You know, um, sort of like the ricochet deal where he like runs over the ring post and the ring and then like does the front flip. He didn't do the front flip, like the front flip thing, but he just right. like dove onto him. Yeah. And then both guys are super tired at this point, but they're still going, which is pretty impressive and really shows that they're trying to do everything to please these fans. And so Damian Priest distracts the ref. He's about to hit him with uh, the knife. Oh, I probably got the wrong word. I said knife stick. It was probably the night stick. <laughs> and Keith Lee catches him with one arm. It looked like he sort of hit him in the head a little bit, but, you know, he sort of ignored it. And then he said with a bad throat, he completely, like, ignored that part. He just said, I am limitless. And then I'm pretty sure he punched him. Then he did the double chop thing with two hands where he goes like the and then smacks his chest. And then Keith Lee hits him with two spirit bombs and then pins Damian Priest to retain the North American Championship. There you have it. Seemed like a pretty uh, action-packed match from uh, your description, at least. Am I right? Did I hit it on the head? Or was it kind of, oh, maybe not? Uh, You sort of hit it on the head. Uh, To me... This match got a tiny bit boring. I, It's something about Keith Lee's matches. It's not that he's not good. I do think he's good. It's just that I feel like he just has the same match with like all the big guys. Like I'm sick of seeing matches with Dominic Dijakovic and Damian Priest and these like bigger dudes. Well, those are only two big dudes, but bigger dudes that have the same, you know, type agile match. I just want to see Keith Lee go against someone different 
who's somewhat worthy of the North American Championship, like um, you know, like a Dexter Loomis or something like that. Like I'm curious to see how that would go for a match, or you know, it, like it could even be like a cruiserweight dude. Like I think Kushida and Keith Lee would be a pretty awesome match, but I'm just sick of you know Keith Lee having these same type style of matchups. I don't know about you, but that's how I feel. Yeah, I feel like he's always like wrestling the same guy over and over again, or he's like wrestling the same built guy kind of deal. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's okay how he does it, but it just kind of gets like it gets the whole old. yeah the rinse wash repeat kind of deal. It's kind of old, but I mean, solid. I will maybe a little less than solid uh, episode of NXT. A uh, I don't know what you want to call this episode of AEW, but uh, it was okay. Uh, trash. It was okay. You would have to watch <laughs> it for yourself. But uh, Yeah, I would. Obviously. Of course, we're going to get to our uh, rating scales, 1 through 10, 5 being average. Uh, Justin, I will let you go first for this week's edition of NXT. You know, before we started this podcast, I was really thinking, them, uh, thinking to myself what I would rate this show. And with everything that they announced for next week and the one of the pretty much better matches I've seen in a while, I'm going to have to give this 7.5. Wow, that is very, very high for a lackluster NXT. You know, we had Drake Maverick who really proved me wrong. The main event was all right. Keith, I mean, no, not Keith Lee, excuse me. Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher's, you know, newly, what was it called? Newly bro show was pretty entertaining to me. You know, so we had some good stuff about NXT. You know, I don't think an episode of NXT is ever, like, really, really bad. Like, it's always an average type show, but to me, this show over-delivered a little bit. Yeah, that's... Oh, it seemed like it might have been a little lower. I think that your score is a little high, but that's okay. Uh, let so let's us see what know. you rate AEW. Well, I'm going to be very fair here because, listen, there were two solid, great, above-average wrestling matches in Cody and Darby and Dustin Rhodes and Lance Archer. But everything in the middle was kind of, eh. I mean, especially... Sabian and Havoc versus the best friends in the no DQ match, of course. That was, God, it was a car wreck, like I said. And not a good one. Not one that you want to look away, that you want to look at. <laughs> one that you definitely yeah. ignore, like a fender bender. But uh, I wouldn't even call it a fender bender. I wish it was like a fender bender where you could just move on from it. But you just kind of have to talk <laughs> about it. Uh, Baron Black and Spears and, you know, something like Moxley in a segment in the Bubbly Bunch. You can't forget the two great wrestling matches that four, four wrestlers put on here. So with that, uh, maybe I'm being a little nice. Maybe I'm being too harsh. I'm going to give this episode of AEW, which is very fair, a 5.5. Wow, that's pretty low for you, I would say. I think it's only fair because you can't, you know, the, the bad outshines the good. But you can't let the, the bad outshine the good too much if you get what i'm saying yeah that's fair that's fair i just think 5.5 there was a lot more bad than there was good but you cannot forget the good stuff yeah i just think with this episode of nxt to me personally it over delivered 
Drake Maverick really, really proved me wrong, which I think is why, like, it sort of played a key factor as to why I rated it so high. But, you know, we just had overall good wrestling on this show today, I would say. Yes, I mean, unless you want to call whatever that car wreck once again, I said wrestling. Not really, probably, but uh, we saw a pile driver. That was pretty cool. That was that about is it, pretty though, cool. But, uh, Cody, Darby, fantastic. Uh, Archer and Dustin Rhodes was good, too. But uh, two more things I want to get into before we wrap the episode up. I know we're going a little long here. Um, I'm not sure if you saw any of this. I want to get into the first uh, little tidbit, I want to say, in that uh, according to a couple of news outlets here, the website I'm going to use here is WrestlingNews.co, WWE is willing to grant release requests to, and I quote, just about anyone. Wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me Drew McIntyre can ask for his release as WWE champion? Well, I'm sure it wouldn't be that much of a, you know, big talent. I'm sure if he obviously he's not unhappy being the champion, of course. I think of that's course, a little, yeah. I think that's a little uh, outlandish of you to say, of course. But, you know, these lower level guys, I feel like they can break through in a different company, uh, whether that be AEW, wherever it might be. Uh, obviously, they're not going to sign right now, but I, they feel like obviously if they were to grant somebody a release, they don't have anywhere to go right now because obviously they're not going to sign somebody in the middle of a pandemic, obviously, when they're not really, you know, bringing in a ton of money and obviously they're trying to limit what they lose. So I don't think uh, anybody anybody's going to sign anywhere right now. Personally, maybe just the revival, I think, but they are probably almost, you know, were certain of where they were going as soon as they left. But, um, what do you think about this whole re- just about anybody uh, re- release kind of deal? If it's true, obviously it's just a report, but uh, we get a report on the reports to say the least. Okay, so with this, I think it's sort of good, not going to lie. I think that with some of the guys that request for their releases, you know, it could be guys like, I don't even know. Let's just say, like, who's a big name? I don't know. Like, let's say Otis Dozovic asks for his release, right? And then AEW signs him right away. He's quite the talent. He is super entertaining. I think if, let's assuming that everyone just goes to AEW, I know that's not the case with everybody, but let's just say that they go and sign with AEW. I think it's really going to step up the, I don't know how to really word it, but like, it would definitely step up their game about how they do their shows. If a lot of these top talent guys, like let's say Roman Reigns, ends up going to AEW, right? It would totally have to, well, NXT, that being said, would totally have to step up their game. You know, Raw and SmackDown would have to try to over-deliver, especially with three hours. That's probably really tough. Two hours is even a little too much. But I think it could possibly... It could possibly evolve the way shows are run, if that makes sense. I'm not sure. I, 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 get, I understand that we're using it as an example, but uh, I don't think someone as, as a talented and as star-powered uh, star as Roman Reigns would get it. But I, I get what you're saying in the sense of, like, uh, you know, like a, like a mid-card kind of guy. That kind yeah, of like deal, someone you know who the fans believe is underrated, let's just like say. Ru- like, say, like Rusev. Rusev was totally underutilized, I believe. Yep. So we'll have to wait and see. So, I mean, I thought that was kind of, you know, for a company that was so, you know, 
certain demanding. on not letting yeah not demanding on not letting guys go now they're all of a sudden kind of like hey if you want to go go no no problem sure doesn't matter i mean but i, I, I thought that was, was oh yeah go ahead no 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 that was me that was me it was rude to interrupt <laughs> oh that's okay but uh, the, you know this kind of company that was all about no we're not letting you leave and now them to be like yeah sure we'll let you leave why not go ahead i think I, that's kind of weird you know yeah yeah it is a little weird but honestly at the end of the uh, excuse me at the end of the day, WWE is just continuing to be that monster that's just going to win anytime. WWE is way too well known for being the number one wrestling company. If anyone believes that AEW is going to outshine WWE, is a complete moron. They will not even get to the level that WCW was when they were beating Raw in the ratings. It will never, ever get to that point. But with WWE granting these releases, I think it will definitely have to start improving, you know, it will definitely have to start improving the way the show is laid out, for sure. Because if Monday they lose Night a Raw. top... Yeah, Monday Night yeah, Raw. Exactly. <laughs> Monday Night so, Raw. So, <laughs> if they lose a top guy, like, let's say they lose a champion, let's say, like Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn is phenomenal, I believe. If he goes to, you know, whatever company... They would need to replace Sami Zayn's spot, and Sami Zayn is super charismatic, so they would probably need someone who has as much personality as Sami Zayn does to sort of replace his spot, and it's sort of tough for them to really figure out who does, but I honestly believe this could work out for the benefit of WWE, and for anyone, pretty much. You're probably right. They just stockpiled so many guys from wherever it might be, from developmental or outside, independence, whatever it might be. But uh, probably the right thing now to realize, like, maybe we don't need to keep all these guys because obviously they're not all going to sign to, say, AEW, for example. Yeah. But nonetheless, we'll have to wait and see if anyone uh, takes the bait, to say the least, uh, or if it is even a uh, It real... could just be a rumor. Yeah. It could, just like that. Most of the time it is just a rumor. But, well, I would say... Most of the time it is truthful, but uh, obviously there's still a possibility of it being just that, a rumor. The other thing I wanted to uh, get into here was uh, SummerSlam 2019, or just, wow, 2020. SummerSlam 2020 uh, in Boston is still scheduled as planned. What, what do you think go. on that? Do you think it's too early to tell? Do you think they're confident that it will go on? I want to read a statement from the TD Garden. Shout out TD Garden at Boston, Mass. Um, as of today, and I think this was uh, April 22nd. On April 22nd, they released a statement. Uh, as of today, we have not yet received any updates from WWE regarding changes to SummerSlam. So it is still scheduled as planned. Any updates regarding the event will be posted to our website here. We also suggest checking WWE's website and social channels for the most up-to-date info. Uh, a lot of fans have been questioning whether or not it was still going on, see if they could get a step ahead. And uh, the TD Garden and Boston Mass, of course, uh, taking one step ahead, saying that it is still scheduled as planned. I mean, we're excited. We have our tickets ready to go. Hopefully, we won't have to be reimbursed. But uh, do you think that uh, at this point we can go on for SummerSlam as the, like, the biggest show of the year? Okay, I hate to be a pessimist, but I don't believe SummerSlam is going to happen. Rumor has it 
that Disney doesn't even plan to reopen until 2021. So for me, that sort of gives me a false sense of hope that sometime soon WWE will have to cancel SummerSlam. Like I think I said it before on the podcast, if WWE canceled WrestleMania because of this coronavirus deal, they have to cancel SummerSlam. Like, unless everything blows over at that point, then yeah, of course, we could go. I remember talking to you, I think, after we did the uh, episode of Raw, I said it would be cool if we could go to SummerSlam, but, like, they had some restrictions about it. Like, you are required to wear gloves and a mask. We said we would be cool with that if we just get to watch SummerSlam. You know, granted, we have nosebleeds, (coughs) Jaworski, but... It's, it would still be cool to witness SummerSlam. Like, SummerSlam is a pretty cool event. I went 2018. It's pretty awesome. But I just, I think it's sort of bad that WWE hasn't said anything about not canceling it yet. I think it's just too early to tell whether or not it needs to be canceled. Yeah, if the numbers get low enough, I think that they'll still have it. I think a public gathering of that size won't be great. But, uh, like I said, it's all numbers at this point. If the numbers are so low at that point where we can, you know, go have public events. Like, if, if you can go to a baseball game in, you know, at the, in the middle of July, there's no reason why this won't be canceled. But at the same time, you know, obviously it's a very serious deal that we're going on right now. Pandemic and whole, all that stuff. But I think big picture is... If they canceled it now, I think they'd be they'd cancel it way too early. Yeah, I will. I agree with you totally. But I think the one bad thing about having SummerSlam in Boston is that okay, obviously we're in Massachusetts, right? Massachusetts has the I think the number three worst cases of the coronavirus. I don't know if I worded that right, but you pretty much get what I mean. So I think it's going to be a little bit to figure out if WWE really wants to cancel SummerSlam in the Garden. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they're going to cancel it, but you know, obviously I'm being a little biased. I don't want them to cancel it. Like, I didn't want AEW to be canceled, but like, that had to be, you know, which sucks. But I think it also is too early to tell whether or not they should cancel it. Because if they cancel it, they're going to lose a whole bunch of money. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, them not being able to have WrestleMania in a 60,000-seat stadium, make it the whole weekend, WrestleMania access, all that, you know, jazz and promotion, all that money they just flushed down the tubes for both WWE and uh, Tampa and Florida, to say the least. But yep. even if they messed it here, they have a four-wrestling-night four weekend. I mean, basically, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It'd be big if they lost this one, too, and... Again, they're not having it doesn't seem like they're going to go back into the live event industry that being shows that aren't televised after this whole pandemic deal. That's another story for another day, but yeah. It's kind of like I don't know. I it, again, I think it's too early to tell, but again, I think this is good that it gives us a like kind of like a little hope to say the least. Um and again, a lot of sports are starting to turn the you know, ideals, I guess, upon how they're going to have, you know, sports and the MLB is going to be over here and NBA is going to play in Disney and the NHL is going to play in remote areas, you know. So it's very hopeful, I have to say. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, if the numbers are so low by then, 
Will they be? I don't really know. But if they're low enough, obviously they can't say, oh, well, two people in the low hundreds or even in the tens have this disease that, you know, already two or three million people have had. They're not going to cancel an event for, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 people. They're still going to have, it, you know what I'm saying? I yeah, talked I- to you about. I talked to you about that the other night, and I think that's it's a numbers game is what it all comes down to in, yeah. the, in the beginning of July, the end of July. Exactly. I think you hit it right on the nose, Jaworski. So, nonetheless, we sure aren't scientists, we sure aren't doctors, but... Uh, <laughs> exactly, yeah. This, uh, we know one thing about numbers is this podcast is going a little long, so let's start to wrap it up. Uh, anything I can you would like to mention before... I uh, plug social media, unless you would like to, even though you botched it a couple weeks ago. Oh, of course, because I botched so much stuff. I should be on Botchamania, damn it. But no, there is nothing I have to say. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, Second show in a row. The man who doesn't stop talking has decided to stop (laughs) talking. So, nonetheless, please, we appreciate all the support recently on the pod, getting that much many, that much many more, or that many more listens. Every episode, we appreciate the support. You can support us by following us on Instagram and Twitter at J&J Wrestling Pod. That's Instagram and Twitter at J&J Wrestling Pod. Follow us. Subscribe to us on Spotify. We are J&J Wrestling Podcast over there. Be sure to listen to all our previous episodes as they are chock full of content uh, speaking of content, I think we're missing out on a video from someone. I'll let you have the stage in just a few seconds here. But uh, like, like I said, we appreciate all the support. Uh, thank you for listening to this long one. I mean, uh, kind of had a little uh, couple new segments there. But uh, yeah. Justin, I believe you have to uh, face the music here. Okay. I have really bad ADHD. So even today, I wanted to record for it. But, you know... I've been reorganizing my room and so I'm like, oh my God, I have to do this because, you know, stuff is just everywhere in my room right now. And so I got sidetracked with that and I was like, oh, I want to watch a movie. So I throw on like Back to the Future and then I was like, oh man, I still got to make that video. But like, I'm almost at the conclusion of Back to the Future. So like, you know, and then A, I mean, uh, NXT came on and then I'm like, oh my God, man, now I got to watch this. And then right after this recording, I swear... I swear, peeps, that the video will be up at least by tomorrow, if not tonight. Well, okay, as we're recording this, it's Wednesday. So either tonight on Wednesday or tomorrow on Thursday. There you have it, folks. We will have to wait and see there. We appreciate all the support, as always. Uh, Be sure to stay safe, follow the CDC guidelines, and, of course, always, please, Wash your hands. Thank you all for listening. We will see you all on Saturday for Friday Night Smackdown and our gimmicks of the week. See you then. Hey, later.